Hi, welcome to The Landscape, a Cranes Cleveland podcast. I'm Dan Paletta. Thanks for joining us. The Landscape is brought to you with support of Delta Dental of Ohio. Find out more by visiting deltadentaloh.com. When firefighters rush into a burning building, it's essential they have the proper equipment, not only for their own safety, but to allow them to do their jobs as efficiently as possible. For years, they struggled with gloves that were stiff and often were uncomfortable. In step Bill Burke and a team of engineers who fashioned a more flexible glove. As sales began to take off, Burke named his company Fire Dex for fire dexterity. As Fire Dex celebrates its 40th anniversary this year, we've asked Bill to join us to talk about how this Medina company has grown over these last four decades. Bill, thanks for being with us. Good to be with you, Dan. Take us back 40 years. What were you doing at that time, and how did you come to hear about this issue with firefighters? Sure. So I had worked for a company called Cintas, the uniform people, and um, I joined them in 1982. My boss left in 1983 to join Firedex, and in 1984 hired me to be a salesman at Firedex. Uh, Firedex actually started in 1983, so I joined one year into its progress. And uh, we were making gloves, uh, quickly changed the name to Firedex, as you mentioned, to uh, represent firefighter dexterity, as we were making the most comfortable glove that we could make, searching for the best leather that we could find the softest and uh, have it treated specifically to uh, be wet and dry multiple times and continue to stay soft. Uh, We perfected that leather and then worked on our design and created the glove that today is still one of the number one selling gloves in the United States. Were fire departments reaching out to you to tell you about this problem? How did you come to know that this was an issue, though? Uh, Just by calling on the departments and asking them what they were wearing today and uh, showing me why they didn't like what they had today and then fixing that problem. So you do this for a few years. When do you start to realize, well, we really do have a real viable business on our hands? It was pretty fast. Uh, We were quickly selling some of the larger fire departments uh, in the United States our product. Um, And our customers were asking us, hey, what else can you guys make? Um, Here are some other problems we have. And they gave us other opportunities to produce other firefighting PPE and expanded our product line eventually uh, throughout the decades from head to toe. What were some of the challenges you faced during the early days? Uh, Finding products that were better than all the competition had. So, you know, finding out what their problems were, asking uh, our people to come up with solutions to their problems, creating samples, getting them into firefighters' hands having them uh, wear trial our product and uh, continuing to tweak it to make it the best that there was. So you start with these gloves and then you decide, you know, expansion is something we need. Expansion can be tricky. Sometimes you grow too fast. How did you make balance all that out? Um, It was a slow, steady uh, growth. We enjoyed double-digit growth almost all of our 40 years by continuing to listen to customers and, and come up with solutions to problems that they had. How many fire departments are you dealing with now? Well, in the United States, there's 35,000 fire departments. We do business with about 60% of them. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> now, do you sell this equipment to other people as well, or is this just for firefighters? It really is just for firefighters. We're very, very focused on the firefighting community. We do sell all over the world. Uh, almost 90% of our products stay here in the United States, um, and our international opportunity is significant and we've expanded our resources to work on the international market more. Our goal is to be more 50-50 than 90-10 as we are today. 
What are some of those international markets you're in now? Most of the markets we're in today are in South America, uh, certainly a lot in Central America. And then wherever uh, NFPA, which stands for National Fire Protection Association, uh, standards are required. Globally, there are primarily two standards. The NFPA standard, which covers the United States, Canada, and many other parts of the world. And then there's a European norm called EN standard that's slightly different, uh, slightly less rigorous in terms of protection for the firefighter. Um, and currently we do not have EN certified gear. All of our gear is NFPA. And we try to convince fire departments across the globe that they should upgrade to a NFPA product. I was going to say, if it's a more rigorous application, wouldn't they want that? You would think so, but uh, certainly budgets play a part of it. Um, different structures in different parts of the world. In many parts of Europe, the buildings are made out of stone, so it's a different fire. Uh, the only thing catching on fire might be a roof or um, the contents. Here in the States, most of our homes and structures are built out of sticks, out of wood, and uh, those fires are very different and very much hotter fires and become engulfed much faster. Uh, Underwriters Laboratory, who does our, our, our certification to the NFPA standard, did a study of, just here in the United States, a 1950 house fire and a 2020 house fire. And the difference in those 60 years is that the products that inside those houses is so significantly different. Back in 1950, everything was solid wood, which takes a long time to catch fire. You know, today, a lot of the stuff is IKEA, you know, particle board that catches fire very, very fast. So it used to take 13 minutes for a fire to fully engulf a room. Today, it takes two. So yeah. it's uh, it, so our suits are much thicker, much heavier, much more protective for the firefighters than they are in Europe. So we mentioned you decided to expand beyond gloves to this PPE, this head-to-toe. At what point in the company's history did you decide we can do this? We need to, you know, make our, make more than just gloves. Well, once we went from gloves, our second product was knit hoods that firefighters use. Then we got into some single-layer garments that firefighters use in certain applications, like primarily grass fires or wildland fires. And then in the late 80s, we expanded into coats and pants, which firefighters call turnout gear. And turnout gear today represents 65% of our product because it's so expensive. These are custom suits for firefighters. Uh, firefighters get measured for their suits. Um, almost 95% here in the United States get measured. So these are custom suits for each individual firefighter. And they range from $2,000 to $4,000 for a suit, uh, where a pair of gloves is $100. So significantly different price range. Um, and that's why firefighter coats and pants represent the bulk of our business today. This episode of The Landscape is brought to you by Delta Dental of Ohio. With offices in Cleveland, Cincinnati, and Dublin, Delta Dental of Ohio is proud to be an industry leader in dental benefits. Together with our customers, providers, and employees, we build a higher standard of oral health care in our communities. And we are more than dental. At Delta Dental of Ohio, we work with entrepreneurs, innovators, and changemakers who are committed to improving the health and well-being of all Buckeyes. Together, we are building healthy, smart, vibrant communities for all. 
Bill Burke joins us today. He's the chairman and owner of FireDex. They're celebrating their 40th anniversary of providing PPE to firemen all across the country and other spots in the world. He joins us for the Landscape, a Cranes Cleveland podcast. I'm Dan Paletta. Bill, obviously you're always looking to improve the equipment that you're creating, the PPE you're creating. Tell us a bit about your R&D efforts. What kind of people are working on it and what are they doing? So we've always had uh, R&D effort. Uh, we expanded it significantly in 2005 when we built our own lab. We used to outsource all of our testing to Underwriters Laboratories, UL, um, and having our own lab really sped up the process of us being able to test fabrics for their thermal resistance, for their cut resistance, for their tear resistance, and for their uh, ability to withstand wear and tear. Um, having our own lab has been a game changer for us to speed products to market. How, how large of a staff of engineers do you have? Uh, we have two that work full-time just testing and working on new products and new opportunities. Are they interacting with uh, first responders to get ideas of what they might need or what they can improve on? 100%. That's where almost all of our ideas come from is the firefighters themselves. We're going to them, asking them what they see as a problem, and then trying to come up with a solution to that problem and dealing with our suppliers, the material manufacturers, to customize, in some cases, uh, the fabrics so that we can take those to market. It's the obligatory question, but how did you do during the supply chain issues? Uh, we actually did fairly well. We used to have what we call just-in-time inventory. Um, once the global pandemic shut down a variety of things, fortunately for us, our supply chain did not get shut down because everything's essential because we're manufacturing PPE for firefighters. Um, but we went to just-in-case, and uh, fortunately we had the resources available to us to double our inventory requirements so that our customers never really saw the problems we were seeing in the supply chain. A lot of it was trucking, shipments from uh, China. We, we, we have uh, boots, leather boots manufactured for us in China, and uh, those supply chains were very, very difficult to deal with, but we got through it uh, through investment in additional inventories. There's obviously been advances in materials. You have things like Kevlar now and other lightweight fabrics. How have you incorporated those into product design? So Kevlar is number one in firefighting protective clothing as a fiber. And, and uh, DuPont has another fiber called Nomex. And between Kevlar and Nomex, they enjoy about 80% market share of the fibers used to protect firefighters. So DuPont's a significant partner for us, and uh, we work very, very closely with them. Um, Kevlar just came out with uh, a new version of Kevlar that we think is going to be very exciting, much more cut resistant and uh, a little softer, which is nice for firefighters because they're always looking for something more comfortable. You mentioned that issue of having the gloves having to be, I never thought about that. The gloves are going to be constantly getting wet and then they have to dry out. Yes. You just recently entered in this relationship with a global company called Lectra to use something called fashion demand to improve your manufacturing process. Mm -hmm. Who are they and how is that going to help you? So Lectra, we started doing business with uh, actually in the early 90s uh, to automate our cutting room. Sewing is still very manual today in the world. The only sewing that's automated is in standard products like a, a Levi's jean is an example. Um, you know, the pockets are the same, whether it's a size small or a size XL. So those processes can be automated. In our case, manufacturing custom suits 
the sewing is very still manual and uh, we look to automation all the time but in cutting automation is available to us and Electra uh, was a for, at the forefront of cutting automation um, in the late 80s and early 90s and uh, we made a significant investment in the early 90s to automate our cutting department and that's been a significant game changer for us we still have competitors across the world that hand cut um, but our, all of our cutting is done automated on an Electra machine. You have a subsidiary that's gear wash that extends the life of garments. When did that launch? And tell, tell us just a bit about it. You have 10 locations for it. We do. So in 2019, we acquired our first company in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, whose name was gear wash. And uh, that got us from not just manufacturing and selling product, but also servicing that product. So our services division gear wash through acquisition and expansion uh, now has 10 brick-and-mortar locations coast-to-coast. -coast. We're adding two more here in uh, 2023. We also have an 18-wheeler mobile unit in the state of Florida that has the extractor, essentially a washing machine, has sewing machines, um, and uh, the ability to test the garment all inside that 18-wheeler. And like a mobile home, we take that 18-wheeler to a fire station and we hook up to their electric, their water, and their sewage, and we clean and repair bunker gear on site at the department and can turn it in 36 hours. So departments in the state of Florida absolutely love it. Um, we bought a company in 2020 that had that system, and uh, we're going to be expanding the 18-wheeler service to other states as we continue our expansion. I would imagine cleaning firefighting equipment has to be a real specialized thing. It's not just throwing your sweatshirt in the, in the uh, washing machine. Correct. It is. It's a specialized machine. It has to have the right RPMs. The soaps have to have the right pH. Uh, we can't use bleach because bleach is an enemy of both Kevlar and Nomax. And, um, you know, sometimes we have to manually scrub products to uh, clean. We Departments today are more and more cleaning gear. Back in the day, it was cool to be dirty. And today, it's only cool to be clean. There are carcinogens in fire soot that are cancer-causing. So firefighters, unfortunately, experience a higher rate of cancer than the uh, normal public. And they're realizing this and are investing money to clean and repair gear more uh, than they ever did in the past. FireDex celebrated its 40th anniversary at the end of April. What did it mean to hit that milestone? Well, it was a, a very cool uh, milestone for us. Um, you know, my 39 of 40 years with the company have been uh, spectacular. I started as a salesman in 1984 and then eventually bought the company. And uh, our growth has been tremendous. Um, just here in the first four months of 2023, we're up 52%. That's a difficult task to manage both financially and physically to have the resources to do that. Uh, we were smart enough in 2018 to buy a company in Georgia to give us a second U.S. production facility. Uh, we also have production in Mexico for those fire departments that are looking for budget-conscious gear. And uh, now having these 10 brick-and-mortar uh, repair centers, we're able to uh, utilize those resources to get us to this point where we are today to, to accomplish a 
50 plus percent revenue increase, which is our plan throughout all of 2023, is, is a Herculean challenge. <laughs> Indeed. So you obviously doing something right. You've been in business for 40 years. If someone's ready to start a new business, what piece of advice would you offer them? Listen to the customer. The customer is the only thing that matters. If the customer is happy, you will grow. And it's our primary objective to stay as close as we can to the customer, to listen to the customer, and then most importantly, act on what we hear and have the brains to come up with solutions to their problems. Because every customer, no matter where they are in the world, there's some problem, there's some opportunity for improvement. And we use opportunity for improvement, we call them OFIs, as a piece of our business. We are constantly striving to change what we're doing today because what we're doing today is not going to be good enough for tomorrow. We encourage all of our associates to participate in OFIs and they write up, now computer document, uh, these opportunities for improvement. We implement over 70% of them because most of them, particularly ones coming from our associates on a manufacturing floor, they're the ones doing it. We're not doing it. You know, they're physically moving the fabric under the needle of the sewing machine, and they have great ideas. And we implement 70, over 70% of them, and it's been stellar for us, and it's part of our culture of continuous improvement and constant change. Sounds like listen to your customers and listen to your employees. Exactly. Bill, congratulations on 40 years. That's a wonderful accomplishment. Good luck. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, Dan. Bill Burke is the chairman and owner of Firedex. He joined us today for The Landscape, a Cranes Cleveland podcast. The Landscape is presented with the support of Delta Dental of Ohio. You can find out more about what Delta Dental has to offer at deltadentaloh.com. I'm Dan Paletta. Thank you for joining us, and we'll talk again soon. 